0: Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. I am Sam Rosenberg. It is Tuesday, October 2nd, 2018, and I'm here with Shaka to talk about what happened this past weekend with the Eagles and the Jets. Shaka, how you doing today? What's going on?
1: Look, man, it was a really fun weekend of football, some great games, but it was not fun if you were a fan of our teams.
0: Yeah, I'm going to completely <laughs> echo that. And I'm just going to jump right in with the Eagles. Um, Eagles lose an overtime loss to the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee on the road. Titans win 26-23. The way they won this game was the Titans marched all the way down the field in overtime. Uh, I believe they converted three fourth downs on the closing drive and threw a game-winning touchdown pass to Corey Davis, um, which was also, if I'm correct, Corey Davis's first career regular season touchdown. Yeah, and is one week after we were just shitting on Corey Davis last week.
1: Yeah, of all of all things, Corey Davis. I mean, who, I'm sure there're fantasy owners who are out there who probably gave up on him like week two. Mm-hmm. Are now like what the fuck that guy? So I mean, it was a very the the ending to that game. I mean, that was a good game, very competitive. And I'm just I'll let you give your thoughts though.
0: No, it's no. There's a lot to take away from this game because there's a lot of nuance going on with this game, and there's plenty to say about the Titans as much as there is about the Eagles. I'm going to start with the Eagles, which is... Listen, okay, Wentz is back for the second straight week, but he has brought some some more cohesion and, so, and some, some improvement to the offense, but the offense is still shaky. Weeks one and two with Nick Foles under center, it was very clear why Nick Foles is the backup, okay? You know, he couldn't move the ball nearly as well as Wentz. He couldn't convert third downs like Wentz can. And we're starting to see that now that Wentz is back. However... There's still some issues with this offense. I think the offensive line still is not clicking and is not playing as well as it did last season. Um, Definitely saw some offensive penalties from Jason Peters over the first four weeks. Um, I'm also going to highlight their running game. You know, this running game has not really figured itself out yet. I think that they have not really. I don't. They did not replace the the Bruiser of Legarrette Blunt. You know, they've kind of just given those duties to Jay Ajayi, who's been up and down with injury, who's missed some time. Uh, And then you've got Sproles and Clement kind of playing that pass-catching back, and then Smallwood sort of being the backup to Ajayi. Well, Ajayi has missed a couple of games. Sproles essentially has been out with the exception of Week 1. And then this past game against the Titans, they were missing Corey Clement. So I really feel like they were missing some of this running game. It's not that it hasn't been there. It's not that there hasn't been any pop, but the third down conversions that you might get from a Corey Clement with a screen pass or even Darren Sproles, he even did a few of these third down conversions in week one against the Falcons, they don't have that. And the last thing I'm going to say about this Eagles offense is some of the drops. Nelson Aguilar had easily two or three really atrocious drops in this game. There was at least two third down conversions where, I mean, I got to be honest, Carson Wentz hit him right in the hands and he just didn't catch it. And, you know, can you say that that's, you know, like maybe that's just a, a difficult, you know, it's like, oh, he drops the ball every once in a while. Or is this something where we're seeing it steamroll? I don't know yet, but I can tell you that this Eagles offense is not clicking nearly as well as it was last season. You know, I think there's something to be said for training camp and, You know, Carson Wentz had a whole training camp to get ready and he looked like an MVP last season. This year, you know, he walks in in week three. It's hard to replicate that play when you just, you know, are coming off your knee being destroyed and you've got some new pass catchers. You've got to work into the offense. Yeah. The last thing I'll mention is that defense, man. The last thing I'm going to mention is this defense, but I'm sorry to cut you off, but the defense... It's been winning games for them on the front, on the defensive line, and it's been losing games for them in the secondary. Okay, they lost Rodney McLeod for the season after Week Three, and it showed against this Titans team. All right, when they really, really needed to stop, Malcolm Jenkins would make amazing plays. But then when it got to be third down or fourth down, Sidney Jones, Avante Maddox, some of these younger guys in the secondary, they kind of got exposed. And so the defense, again, is sort of the same mixed bag as it was last year, as amazing as we say it is, and as brilliant as that front seven is. I mean, they bring in Halodi Nada. They bring in Michael Bennett. They're able to cover up the fact that Timmy Jernigan is still not back. But God damn it, they're still getting burned in the secondary, and that's where I see their weaknesses right now. Okay, that's my rant. I clearly <laughs> just went on and on about the Eagles. I haven't even touched the Titans yet, but I want to have some thoughts from you, Shaka.
1: Um. I don't really have much to contribute on the offensive side. I will point out, I mean, at this point, it's just, it's got to be getting into a rhythm and I, Alshon Jeffrey's finally back. Yeah. Uh, oh
0: he looks, man. He looked like he'd never left in this game.
1: I, I, yeah. I Hats off to him. I mean, really just that classic Alshon Jeffrey, go up and get the football mm. kind of, I'm sure Carson Wentz was more than happy to have him back. And so I think part of it is just kind of getting all these guys back into that kind of cohesive, you know, that rhythm again because uh, like I said last week I really like Nelson Aguilar in that short yardage, uh you know catch you know, and that down. third
0: third down and four he's gonna get like a five yard catch. And
1: you can see they tried to work that in. They're trying to work that old you know magic back into him in this game. And at at times he looked a little bit like oh crap like that's this is me it's my turn you know so I think part of that is kind of shaking off the rust. I, I think repetition will help, especially with uh, Aguilar in that aspect. Mm. Jordan Matthews out there, I mean, just cooked the secondary. Oh,
0: yeah, he did. That was a pretty touchdown.
1: Which is, I mean, you know, I, again, I still am kind of on the fence about Matthews in this offense. I don't really see what his role is, per se, but any time you can get a, a touchdown from that guy, you just take it. Yeah. Uh, again, Ertz, the lifeblood of this offense, Dude. and I think everything is going to move and ebb and flow through him. So when he's having a good game, you're still going to be able to put points on the board. Mm -hmm. On the defensive side, I I mean, I I really have to echo what you said. And even in my notes here, I've got, you know, that, that front line for the Eagles is just, they're the saviors continually. And, I mean, they really weren't, I wouldn't say they weren't effective, but they just weren't able to get through because the Titans actually had somewhat of a strategy, you know, Mariota, plays a lot out of the shotgun mm-hmm. uh, and he's got that quick release which is i think very very deceptive to teams and i think a lot of teams always wonder how the titans can put up points on them it's because Mariota is very good at that quick release out of the shotgun they run a lot of slant passes and it really really exposed a lot of the flaws in the Eagles second i remember they got that um d-back or the the defensive back one of the defensive backs is a rookie i can't remember his name right oh, now
0: uh, uh avante maddox
1: and he got cooked. He got cooked. Time. I
0: believe he was the one who got cooked on the game-winning touchdown.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, that was a great – again, that was a great catch and throw. Corey Davis just – that was just athletic ability right there in the end. But, I mean, Jalen Mills – there was an interference call on Jalen Mills, which I thought was BS, mm-hmm. but it really kind of changed the momentum. And it helped keep the Titans moving the ball down the field. So, yeah. the second – there were a lot of glaringly open passes. And I'll be saying this word again at some point when we get to – the latter half of this podcast, but uh, there's just a lot of problems in the secondary where there's just a lot of glaring open guys on uh, slant
0: passes. I agree. I, and and to cu- to 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 make matters worse, penalties. A lot yeah. of penalties for the Eagles. A lot of holding, a lot of sloppy play, pass interference. I mean, you get moments where I think some of these guys in the secondaries are getting burned, and then they're just trying to you know hold or pull or do anything they can to just sort of save themselves from a touchdown pass.
1: Not to be, not to be uh, defensive or a devil's advocate, but that felt there was a little bit of home cooking in Tennessee for some of those calls. I, I raised an eyebrow at one or two of them. There weren't a lot of them that I thought were the wrong way, but the ones that they did call and I thought were kind of questionable really impacted, you know, momentum and really kind of pushed things in the Titans' way.
0: I mean, I think it was easily two penalties in overtime when they converted two of those fourth downs. Yeah. I want to say Both at least one of them was a penalty.
1: Yeah, it was definitely. I think it was fourth and like 14 or something like that. And even the announcer, actually, don't start. I think it was fourth and four. Mm-hmm. And the announcer was pretty much called in the game, and all of a sudden the flags went up, and you were just all of a sudden a uh, second wind. And the Titans, they took advantage of every penalty opportunity they got yeah. to make their way down the field.
0: I mean, that that's something you really need to give credit to the Titans about is that, you know, Mariota, you nailed it. He His play is pretty darn good. I think we want to knock him. But, you know, he was very effective in that game. And his mobility really showed. You know, as as strong as the Eagles' front seven is, you know, they can get penetration. However, two things happened in this game against the Titans. Number one, the Titans have a pretty good offensive line. You know, they were able to at least hold back the Eagles' defensive front long enough for Mariota to throw the ball. Or, Mariota gets mobile. You know, that was something that really killed the Eagles' defensive line last year against the Seahawks. You know, as, as... I, I know the Eagles Super Bowl season like the back of my hand now, and I remember one of the la- one of the last real losses they had last year was when they went into Seattle. This was, and and Carson Wentz was a quarterback it was the week before he tore up his knee in L.A. They go into Seattle and they lose to the Seahawks, and I think a major reason for that was because Russell Wilson's mobile. Because when the pocket would break down, he would roll out of the pocket, and as amazing as that front seven is. You know, they're only so athletic, they can only chase down Russell Wilson so much. And I saw that happening with Mariota. He would flush out of the pocket and just move over to the left Aaron Rodgers style and then complete the pass. And that extension of the play, I think, was killing the Eagles because then the defensive line gets taken out of the play and the secondary is relied upon. And as we just said, he was burning the secondary all game.
1: I think that's something you really have to take into account in terms of the psychological effect. A uh, 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 a quarterback coming out of the pocket for a run really just does to your defense. Everyone's mm-hmm. doing their job, the line is making the pocket collapse, and all of a sudden this guy is scampering for 10, 12 yards, Ugh. and it's a first down. You know, it, it it it's not necessarily a backbreaker, but it can really win the defense, especially when they've been covering a guy all the way downfield. And it 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 was meaningless. You know, Mariota again, I he's got a very deceptive level of speed for a quarterback. He's very athletic. Um, and he's smart. He picks smart moments to, to, to run for it. And, you know, he's not one of those gutsy guys where he's going to dive for, you know, an extra couple yards. He slides. Mm-hmm. And it really resets the clock. And all of a sudden, you got to do this again. And he's a great passer on top of that. So factor in when the when the play is not there, he's able to make some kind of positive yardage when he's healthy. And that's really, I think, been his issue, his health, um, keeping him off the field. But I mean, remember this Titans team, you know, at one point – was a couple years ago. They were super dangerous. They had great receivers and Rashard Matthews. Mm-hmm. They had great running back support, and they and on top of that, Mariota could run at you at any given time. I think they led the league in rushing that year.
0: Yeah, and, I, th- I think that might have been uh, when Demarco Murray, Derrick yes. Henry, they were all just running all over the place.
1: And it was scary. It's a scary team because you have to respect them in every aspect of the game. And it, I think that the Titans was just one of those teams. They're on the bubble. They're always on the cusp. And you always wonder, what exactly is it about them? And you look at a game like this, where the defending champs have trouble containing. You know, I don't think this was super embarrassing in terms of, I think the Titans came in here with a good game plan to handle that pass rush.
0: And then they just ex- they took advantage of a secondary that was depleted yeah. and inexperienced. And I think the Eagles have been, listen, it's still September. We talk a lot about how September is still training camp. I think the Eagles are still coming back to full strength and trying to figure out you know, their mojo, which, okay, I'm going to have a question, which is should we be worried about the Eagles? I don't think we should be worried about the Eagles. But before we get there, speaking of getting their mojo, and uh, Shaka and I discussed this before recording today, we're going to talk about next week's matchup. Next week, the Eagles have a home game against the Minnesota Vikings, who are just coming off uh, uh, another sort of like shocking, well, I don't know if it was a shocking loss. They got burned down by the Rams. But, I mean, that loss to the Bills a couple of weeks ago really put it. you know, it it sort of took back everyone's expectations on the Vikings. Um, But the Eagles are going to have a home game against the Vikings next week. Like, should the Eagles be panicked? Like, are they going to go in there and take care of business? I'm sort of of the mind of both the Vikings and the Eagles are two teams which I think had Super Bowl aspirations who are both sort of rethinking exactly how they want to move forward because I think both of them have been able to get exposed for some very big flaws on these teams. So I guess part of what I'm asking you is, do you, I mean, can the Eagles beat this Vikings team next week? Who, who are you going to pick?
1: Well, I think you're, you're right in terms of the, the, the questioning of where they are Super Bowl contender-wise. And I think they're both still in position because the Vikings defense is just so good. You can't ever count them out in terms of uh, competitiveness. Now, I will say, if there's one of those two teams at a disadvantage, they're probably going to lean more in the Vikings, and just in terms of you got a new quarterback in that system, he's still trying to kind of get a, a rapport with those receivers. I think it's probably going to be a little bit more problematic, as you can see when that game against the Buffalo Bills, where, I, I mean, they just got manhandled in every aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the only thing I have uh, in terms of concern coming into this for the Eagles is that the the wide receivers for Minnesota are in, in
0: terms of
1: far better than the Tennessee Titans? Corey Davis is an experienced. Um, they had a couple of younger guys on that that team that cooked that secondary, and now you got to deal with Adam Thielen. You got to deal with Stephen Diggs. You got to deal with. I mean, the,
0: Kyle you, you Rudolph. A, I mean, we, we could, could keep Kyle going.
1: Rudolph, you got a couple concerns, you know, and you're gonna have to pay your respects. So I, I, I'm really a little bit worried because Stephen Diggs can get the ball. He can get in the slot. He can get on a sled, He can get on a deep pass. Adam Thielen catches everything. So they really have to kind of – there's going to have to be a team huddle. They're going to have to clamp down. And they can't play that safe, you know, um, that soft cover. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: that that's, Se- that's sort of Seattle, like just make sure they don't get the first down.
1: Did not work at all in the second half.
0: No, I I, I saw the take. fucking Titans convert a fourth and fifteen in overtime with that play.
1: Yeah, it's it. I mean, I I'm still a little bit. I didn't really get to check the the kind of the the beat writing and what the defensive coordinators were saying after that game, but it was a lot of it that was like, why are they playing so off? Like I like they. It was almost like it was a blowout, and they were just trying to make sure that they didn't rack up any points. I was like, no, this is still, you know, a two touchdown game. Like mm-hmm. what the hell is going on here? Mm-hmm. So I. I'm wondering if that was because they didn't trust the secondary to really hold a one-on-one coverage. Mm. They just decided
0: to go to, like, a zone.
1: Yeah, exactly. A little bit of a head scratcher. And, I mean, even then, if it's clearly not working, you got to show Mariota a different look, at least to see if he gets rattled or to see if Corey Davis is actually that good or did he just get 100 yards receiving on soft coverage, you know?
0: Now, for the Eagles and the Vikings – I'm optimistic for the Eagles for a couple of reasons. They're at home. The Vikings have a bad offensive line, and offensive lines don't travel very well, so I think the Eagles' defensive front is going to cause some trouble for Kirk Cousins. However, um, I think the Eagles' offense is still sputtering, and they're going up against a very tough Vikings' D. And I think that uh, like you said, Thielen and Diggs are gonna be able to probably make something happen. I actually think this game is, again, I think the Eagles, all four games they've taken down to the wire. I think they will take this one down to the wire as well. Um I'm probably always gonna pick the Eagles, but if there's a game where I could probably give the benefit of the doubt to the the other team, it's probably this one. I think the Vikings do have what it takes to kind of take apart the Eagles right now. But I think it's gonna be a I think it's gonna be a, a smash mouth game and I mean, I'm still going to give it to the Eagles, but I mean, are, are you worried about the Eagles? Are you worried about this defense in the secondary?
1: Are we talking about a long-term worry?
0: Long-term worry, like full season, making it to the playoffs, worry.
1: I can't say that I'm right now. I think they'll make the necessary adjustments. You know, I, I, I think Jenkins probably needs to snap out of it a little bit and kind of help be part of that leadership for this uh, this defense along with Fletcher Cox. But I think they'll, I think they'll be okay. I think they're gonna probably have a couple games where they're gonna run into this, this kind of crisis, and they're gonna have to step up and, you know, because look what happens when you don't. That, that they're gonna look back at this game, and say that was a really winnable game, and there were things that we could have done much differently, you know. And small things cost.
0: Yeah. Um, let's move on to your Jets, Shaka. Oof. Yeah, Jets. Lose on the road to the Jacksonville Jaguars, 31-12. to Um My major takeaways from this were, uh, I don't believe Sam Darnold turned the ball over. No, he didn't. Uh, um However, I think the thing that I took away from this was the fact that the Jaguars just suffocated the Jets. I mean, the defense didn't really give them anything. I don't think they were able to do anything offensively. If anything, it was... It was one of those games where it's sort of like, oh, the, you know, the Jags or the Jets didn't turn the ball over, but they also couldn't score. They couldn't do anything. And, yeah. um, uh, you know, uh, Blake Bortles throwing 388 passing yards. I mean, I think if anything, I was a little disappointed that the Jets defense couldn't do anything to, I mean, it looked like the Patriots defense when Blake Bortles and the Jags played the Patriots a couple weeks ago. Um, What are some of your takeaways from this game? I mean, is... Was there something new about Darnold that you saw? Were you a little bit more shaken by the defense? I mean, what did you take away from this game from the Jets' perspective?
1: I don't really know where to start. I I try to compare the scenario to, it's kind of like a a haze that's starting to clear and you're starting to get a few images in focus. And there are a few things that I I take away from this. Sam, you know, I've never really spoken ill of Todd Bowles.
0: Of course not. Mostly
1: because I really don't have a a a way of where the wind blows with him in terms of how i feel about him and i have to say that it's starting to clarify for me a little bit and i really um i don't think he's lost the team but i'm concerned that he's really not a coach like he's not a head coach mm. i I'm, I'm um for the first time in a while i'm actually doubting him in terms of his direction his leadership of the team and i think the players are still behind him i think they love him genuinely i think they think he's a great guy But in terms of him being a head coach, I'm not 100% sold anymore.
0: You would Um, say that maybe he's dipping into the Jason Garrett, Dirk Cutter world, where it's like, what the hell do you really do? Well,
1: he's a guy who was a specialist, and I think maybe given a little bit too much of free reign in terms of how this team is run. I want to start with some of the positives, because I think there's obviously more negatives here than that. Um, On defense, our front line still pretty damn solid Mm -hmm. Uh, Henry Anderson I mean got him on the cheap and he's just been an absolute revelation I
0: really like that pickup
1: I mean just really just you know the guy talk about a guy who's really playing and trying to try to get himself re-signed to a longer contract and he keeps this up I one of the the few bright spots we have on defense um where else Sam Darnold Again, like we said, he didn't throw any picks.
0: I mean, he just looks like a rookie.
1: He looks, and it, I feel I the, the, there's a small part of me that just really, uh, he's hes going through probably the crash course at NFL quarterback. And, I mean, it, it can't really get any worse when you look at the lineup that he had to face today and that he's going to have to face in the near future. He's going to have pretty much the gauntlet thrown at him, and he's going to have to come and perform and deal with the, the amount of coverages he had to look at and blitz packages today, and just everything that was thrown at him. And look at the wide receiving core that he has. Quincy oh. Newell, like I've said before, is not a number one. Terrell Pryor. Although he's doing everything. Top. Yeah. Terrell Pryor is barely on the field. Oh,
0: God, Terrell Pryor.
1: Terrell Pryor, I mean, it does it, it really. Jordan Leggett, I think, had three catches for like 13 yards, and he had his first NFL touchdown. Mm-hmm. There's just so little to work with. This is like the, the the most flavorless damn soup that you can cook up on a, a, a goddamn team in terms of offense.
0: <laughs> miso soup with no miso? Yeah.
1: Not to mention the running game. I, when you look at this Jaguars defense, there's not going to be a running game to speak up. So it's not really like Bilal Powell and Isaiah Crowell can be much.
0: Which powerful. is crazy because I think the one weak spot of the Jags defense last year was their run D. It
1: looks, I would say it's a bit more improved this year. And I, I think it is. all the... I think the amount of blitz looks that they were giving the Jets that it really kind of, the, the 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 Jaguars came in with a smart plan. You got a rookie quarterback who is basically inexperienced. I don't blame them. I don't fault them at all for the the defensive sets that they ran because the you're you're dealing with the unknown here, and that's your advantage. You take you take opportunities where you can, and you have a quarterback who's not seen a lot of these defensive blitzes. He's never gone up against a cornerback tandem like AJ Bouie. And Jalen Ramsey, yeah, you take advantage of that, you maximize it, and he did not great wide receivers they have to cover. It's not, you know, this is this is an off day of sorts. This is this is the practice squad, if you will, yeah. In terms of what you got to face. So, and look, even towards the end of that game, I thought, I thought the two point conversion was a little shitty on Doug Marone's part, mm-hmm. but in the same vein, I can kind of understand. He, he tried to play it off as not being personal, totally personal. Yeah. <laughs> it's the NFL. I've seen teams run up scores before. It's and yeah, granted, the Jets are embarrassed, but you know what? That's something to take home and to, you know, you put in your lockers, bulls and board material for the next time. Now, the players said that they're going to have a a, a defensive-only, like players-only meeting on yeah. Friday. going to talk about the miscommunications because there are a lot of them. train Johnson had a couple miscues there. And he got absolutely cooked yeah. on a, a
0: like like, like blown coverages, like that was just – mental mistake you know what that's not like a missed tackle that was a moment yeah. where it's like what the hell happened guys
1: and this isn't a this isn't a justification for Blake Bortles throwing for 388 yards but it does explain why Dante Moncrief Dante Moncrief of all people cooks you for 70 yard touchdown oh my
0: god there were,
1: there were a lot of defensive mishaps and this is I I said it was going to come back around there were a lot of slant passes in the middle of the field that yep. just unaccounted for. Um was a D.D. Westbrook, had yep. himself a game, nine catches for 130 yards. And, you know, there were a lot of guys who just got in there. They got in their stats in this game, you know. So um I will say towards the second half, the Jets' defense played with a little bit more heart. Mm-hmm. They got, they got. I think they, had, they definitely had more uh, turnover. um They got a fumble recovery, they had an interception. I think they had two fumble recoveries. And they really got themselves back into a position where they could put some points on the board. But I wish they brought this energy at the beginning of the game. I think they just look unprepared. They had 10 ga- ten days to, to get ready for this game, and they looked unprepared.
0: I mean, that's the thing where I really start to think about Todd Bowles.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, like how and, – and help me out, Shaka, what year of Todd Bowles are we in? Are we in year four? I think it's year four. Yeah, because I want to say uh, Fitzpatrick's first year when he actually played well. Was that his first season?
1: I think it was, and you have to remember also, I think the one of the reasons why I gave him kind of a pass was when you looked at the team that was already assembled when he came in. Remember, you had a lot of guys who were held over, mm-hmm. you know, like these big contracts, and all of a sudden were either not shown up to practice, you had Sheldon Richardson, you had big snacks, you had all these guys. Muhammad were,
0: Wilkerson, I think Darrell Revis was still on the team. And all those guys are gone now, you know? like it. So it's kind of, this
1: is his team, this is, you know, his... His group of students had been like, you know, brought together. So that all the all the distractions and the excuses and the stuff that he had to deal with that was management's fault to begin with are out of the way. So now the focus is on him as a coach.
0: And the team and, is one and three.
1: One and three, and could potentially be one and eight if you really if you really sit down and kind of suss out these games. They got the Denver Broncos next.
0: I was gonna say Denver Broncos next. What do you think?
1: And the Broncos, I mean, the Broncos are always going to bring it. You got Von Miller. I mean, I'm sure he's looking his chops because if you look at the, you look at the the, the gameplay for Sam Darnold, he's a rookie quarterback. And look, all of the rookie quarterbacks lost this weekend. They're 0-4 this weekend. So inexperience, you know, is a big deal. It's a big handicap for any good defense. So I think if you're the Denver Broncos, you change up the looks. They can do that very easily. They've got the personnel to make something like that. Like, happen. you think like, this is going to be another
0: defense that's going to go eat against Sam Darnold? I
1: think so. I think w- very possible. I mean, he, he you m- don't be surprised if he actually turns the ball over once in this game. And also, they're going to be facing a quarterback who's much better this time around. Um, so I, compared to, when we compare it to Blake Bortles. Mm-hmm. So they have a potential for another game that just gets out of hand very quickly. I would not be surprised. If Todd Bowles is, you know, job is on the line by the halfway mark of the season,
0: you're thinking Bowles might be might get fired before the end of the season.
1: That's a harder question to to kind of gain a, a litmus test on right now. It's it all depends on how bad these losses are. If they're competitive games, Darnold looks like he's learning and progressing. I wouldn't be so quick to to you know throw the hook out there. But if they're getting just Molly mollywopped like they were. I mean, it's this Jaguars team where they look and the big word going around in all the press media was lifeless. You oh. know, even Christian Nuno had a moment where he said, I don't call the plays here. There's there's the the beginning of some kind of Descent. you know, Yeah. Jeremy Bates, I granted it's his first year coordinator. I think I even I'm like a little bit concerned about the play calling. I don't know what's going on exactly. Our Darius Stewart, who we drafted in the third round, I thought was gonna be a big help in that short yardage game because he's you know he's undersized the receiver yeah
0: i haven't seen him do anything
1: so didn't really get in any reps with the first team um at some point was put on waivers picked up again after he cleared waivers on the practice squad and he just got hurt so he's i don't even know how bad the injury is to what extent but i here was the guy when i saw that he was drafted um i was very excited because i i I take it in college every now and then, and I thought, man, here's one of those guys we need. You know, we got Robbie Anderson over the top, and we got him underneath. You know, you got got the opportunity to kind of open up the passing lanes for for Sam Darnold, and we don't have that. Like, even look at Terrell Pryor, another big addition we had in the
0: Who's office. Who's done nothing. Has done absolutely nothing. He had one target
1: all game, and that was it. And, I mean, he was really... He didn't play all the snaps because he's not a great route runner. And it's just a lot of things that just Ugh. feel unfinished.
0: Ugh. This is – yeah, this doesn't feel good, man. This I want to yeah. see some improved play from Darnold. And the, and the shame of it is I don't know if I'm going to be guaranteed that.
1: No, and I, I don't I'm, – I'm I'm not ready to say that I feel like it's going to hurt his development. But, uh, I mean, God, God willing, if he gets through this with solid numbers on the season – I think that's more of a testament to his, his you know... His his, his metal? IQ. Yeah, his football IQ is just a guy who plays smart, plays hard, you know, and makes the best of what little he has. But I don't want him to be Andrew Luck, for fuck's sake.
0: No, no. I, I mean, listen, he could be a situation... This could be like Peyton Manning's rookie year. He goes 1-15 and 15 and then bounces back and learns what he needed to learn. I'm not trying to say that Sam Darnold's Peyton Manning, but I'm saying, listen, rookie years are rookie years for a reason.
1: Yeah, they're rough. I mean, it, and it's, it's one of those things that where, and this is a conversation you and I could probably have all day where it's the question of, is it a good thing to have a quarterback play as a rookie to really get his seasoning? Or do you let him sit like a Pat Mahomes and kind yes. of soak in everything that a veteran can show you before you put him out there? It's, it, it's hard to say that part of that is the psyche of the quarterback and whether or not he can actually handle that pressure. And if, you know, that pressure ends up breaking him, and he never really recovers. Ryan Leaf, for all we know, was oh, probably hey. a terrible idea, you know, to put him out there to start, but it didn't do anything to Peyton Manning.
0: Dude, we could we could certainly go on and on about this, because I've got a lot of thoughts about starting a quarterback earlier, giving them time to rep, but I am also have a lot of thoughts about shitty franchises, not knowing how – I mean – Listen, is is the Texans doing Deshaun Watson a favor by putting him behind one of the worst offensive lines in football? Oh God, I don't I, know. I have a
1: funny feeling he's going to be injured again before this season's even done. I, I I'm scared for him, and I the mean, running game is not great either.
0: Knock on wood, but I hope that's not the case, man. He's such a yeah. talent; he deserves better than that. He really does. Um, all right, here. Listen, we're we're getting uh we're almost getting to time, so let's finish up with this last game we wanted to mention, which was the Ravens beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. And now, Shaka and I, we're not going to spend an awful lot of time on this game, but I wanted to highlight it because it's really illuminating, I think, a lot of the problems that the Steelers have, specifically on defense, and it's also highlighting the fact that the Ravens, I think, are a little better than we thought. You know, the Ravens were always a dominant team for the last handful of years. The last couple of years, the Ravens have fallen off the map. Joe Flacco got hurt a couple of years ago. I think they finished 4-12. and Last year, Flacco was decent, but they finished 8-8. and They've always had issues trying to make this offense go. And then they've had a regression on the defensive side of the ball after being you know, one of the best defensive teams in football for over a decade. So I guess part of what I wanted to see from you is how consistent do you see this offense being? Because John Brown is clicking in this offense. Michael Crabtree looks great. They've got Buck Allen and Alex Collins. Like They actually have an offense that I think really looks pretty solid right now. And part of yeah. me is wondering... You know, is this a Ravens team that could actually get to the playoffs, make noise, maybe even win this division with the offense and the defense you're seeing? I want some of your thoughts on the Ravens real quick.
1: Well, I I feel like I was one of those people who was very quick to dump on Joe Flacco, especially in his last Couple years of, mm-hmm. you know, one having that one game where he threw three touchdowns and an interception, and having another game where he threw a touchdown and three picks. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, and it, it, it's almost looking like he's putting out there without saying it out loud, just by the resume, that, you know, personnel makes a big deal. It makes a big difference in terms of, you know, what you get done. John Brown now has been a guy who's been injured and kind of underwhelming, but had great potential. And now you put them with the squad and you put them with Joe Flacco and all of a sudden they both look like studs. It, it Sometimes it also goes with the, the GM, like, you know, personnel choices. Michael Crabtree has also been a very big part of that, you know, that resurgence that they're having. But it's I, I'm honestly I'm a bit taken aback. I'm I'm stunned, actually, at how good they are.
0: Like I'm the surprised defense, as well. Been, I was not but, ready know. for this chemistry.
1: I was. And it's taken off really quickly. Like these, it, maybe they got their reps in in training camp but Flacco the the projections he's going to throw if he keeps this up 5,000 yards this season which is I mean
0: I'll bet on that (laughs) right now and say no
1: I mean mind-boggling just to think that uh, I mean the enthusiasm out there is great but even the running back game I was not very big on Buck Allen but he's been you know a tough hard runner he's been great yeah
0: and when they do a tandem there they're very efficient great
1: it's all working like and these are the same I mean it's not been a huge difference you know Mike Wallace is not even you know when he was there was just
0: it like John Brown is a is a better version of Mike Wallace
1: yeah and again I never expect you see John Brown on a roster and you're like he's probably going to give you four games tops
0: yeah, you but, know, but in, in, dude, he has been money in the bank since the start of the season.
1: Nasty, nasty, nasty on the deep throw. And he cooked the Steelers a couple times oh out my there. God, did so he cook the it's Steelers. Been, it's, been, it's been, I'm sure, for him dude. cathartic. And, to you know, Crabtree's been
0: good. getting in the mix. And, you know, Willie Sneed. Willie Sneed's been great for this Ravens team.
1: Yes. And, you know, you kind of forget that Willie Sneed is actually a really, really good football player. Because he's not in uh, New Orleans,
0: yeah, but and he, whole, you know he fell out of favor there in New Orleans. I don't really know why, but he's been great with this Baltimore team.
1: I'm not upset, man. Look, it's it seems like there's a lot of I wouldn't call them castoffs when you look. It's almost like a squad of you know rejects, guys who are trying to get their their, their second chance with the team, and they all seem to have just discovered themselves here in Baltimore. And
0: that's been a bit of their their M.O. I mean, they had Jeremy Macklin last year. They had Mike yep. Wallace. Like, they were really rotating through cast-offs, trying to sort of – and and they were trying to build through the draft. I mean, they, they sat on Brashad Perriman for several years, hoping he was yep. going to be a number one guy, and that just never worked out.
1: And I think it's chemistry, really, at the end of the day. I mean, look, it, it's not like there were bad choices. Macklin's a good receiver. Mike Williams is a good receiver. It just all didn't really click. You know, they had Steve Smith.
0: At oh one point Steve God, Smith they had Steve Smith.
1: You know, and I mean, again, I'm never going to say anything bad about Steve Smith, but he, even when he was with that offense and he really, really kind of you know, propped him up on strings, it just really it didn't click. It didn't work out. Mm-mm. And I don't know. I, I honestly can't tell you analytically what's so dramatically different between those years and these years or this year, but except for maybe the play calling is a little better. Maybe yeah. the personnel is actually... More talented and actually execute what the offensive coordinator wants to do.
0: I mean, the, clo- I, I, the closest thing I can think of is I think they're executing better. I think the personnel is just yeah. better, and they're executing better because I think it's still Marty Morning calling the plays. Like the coaching staff has not changed that much.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know what? I, they even their first round, one of their first round picks, um, Hayden Hurst, the tight end, hasn't played yet. Yeah. The season, and, and they're
0: still doing all this without him.
1: Yeah, and then also let's not forget they're back a quarterback. They brought him in for a couple snaps, Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know, they 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 can give you a couple different looks on offense. So they, there's been a little bit of a shot in the arm for them. But I'm I'm still gonna have to watch and kind of analyze because I can't figure it out. But I'm you know what they actually look a little bit fun to watch, okay. which is not something you really say since. Ray Rice
0: has not been there. No, I d- oh man, wow, Ray Rice. Yeah, right. Talk Think about, about like talk about a dirty <laughs> word. No one's mentioned his name in years now.
1: Yeah. So, it's it's been very interesting to watch what's going on with the Ravens.
0: I completely agree and thank you for indulging me on that cuz I don't fully know what the hell to make of the Ravens either and uh you yeah. know, I'm not listen, I don't I'm not quick to shit on Joe Flacco either, but you know, I mean his play has spoken for itself in years past and you know, right now, I think they're looking pretty good, and I think that defense is really standing up right now. And, I mean, this AFC is wide open. You know, I think Cincinnati's playing very well as well, but, you know, their defense is suspect, and I think Baltimore is a better defense. I mean, if everything breaks right, you know, the Ravens could be fighting for this division title.
1: It's very possible. I, I think I don't think that Bengals' defense is going to really recover either. They've been they've been suspect for the last few years at least, and I think the only thing right now is keeping them in it is the Red Rocket. So, also, Tyler Boyd has kind of matured Dude. and really taken up, uh, you know, that number
0: two spot. He has but really that, come into his own.
1: Tyler Eifert just got hurt. I mean, oh. just really, really badly. So I feel, I, I feel I really
0: know. bad for Tyler Eifert. That was a gruesome that's, injury.
1: You know, that's one of those injuries where you're not really sure if he's ever going to come back to the same kind of player. But
0: It's just I, a I shame because he's had so many injuries. The back, the yeah. elbow. I mean...
1: And he had just finally scored his first. I think it was his first touchdown of the season. Yeah, it was his you know, first and, touchdown it, of
0: the season. It's just uh. and
1: just like that. So I, the Bengals are really, I mean, they are they have a lot of questions as well to kind of wrinkle out. And then uh, compared to that, I think the Ravens are going to come out and take that division.
0: You heard it here first. We're talking about the Ravens winning the AFC North. But that's all we have for today. We're getting the hell out of here. Enjoy this weekend's slate of games. You can always subscribe to Sam Sports Podcast on Apple Podcast, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. You can always email me at SamSportsStation at gmail.com. Shaka and I are going to get the fudge out of here. We're going to watch this weekend's slate of games. We've got the Eagles playing the Vikings. We've got the Bronco- the Jets playing the Broncos. And uh, I don't know what any of the other important games are, but those are the games that I'm going to be paying attention to. Um, any other games that you're going to be paying attention to, Shaka?
1: I mean, I think I'm mainly going to be focused on this Jets game and just, you know, saying a prayer, a couple of Hail Marys. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, God, I I think I'm going to have to watch at least something else to, you know, give me
0: sanity, some kind
1: of... I think the Kansas City-Jacksonville game is probably going to be very interesting. I Look, Pat Mahomes has been great, and I think he, he just got himself out of quite the situation with the Denver Broncos. So I'm really curious to see how he handles the Jacksonville Jaguars in that defense.
0: I think it'll probably be the, the biggest marquee game that I'll be watching, aside from the Eagles and the Vikings, because you know what? Yeah. That's the number one priority.
1: Yeah. Also, the Dallas-Houston game should be fun, just more of a, a local kind of, showdown but
0: yeah we'll see a lot of trashy football (laughs) 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 on national tv no less (laughs) i
1: like that i'm okay with
0: that all right guys we're out of here thanks a lot for listening we'll be back next week enjoy the games we'll talk to you later bye-bye
1: enjoy the games guys